guys, it's Simi and this is Wrestling Unlimited as it's Wednesday and that means tonight was AEW Dynamite. But hey, guess what? It's not just me. Look right over here. We've got Luke back from vacation. So yeah, Luke's going to let us know what he thought of AEW Dynamite and all that stuff. Maybe we ask him a couple other questions. But Luke, you've been on vacation for a while. How's it going? I'm pretty good. For those of you who don't know, I was I was in Costa Rica for a little bit on vacation. It was pretty fun. I highly I highly recommend you guys like visiting the place if you want to. Very nice. We did a lot of things. Went went zip lining, which which was fun. I mean, my mom almost backed out, and I was telling her like, "Hey, you signed us up for this, so you better stick with it." Oh wait, wait. wait. So you're telling me she's the one that like said let's do it, and then didn't want to do it almost. She almost backed out. What the like, heck? You, you signed us up for this, so you're, you're going with it. Yeah, you kind of got to do it if you're the one that, that sets it all up. Right? That's fun. We were pretty high up, though. Like I said, that was like the highest you can go for zip lining. Huh. As we went to. Nice. But with that, also, I want to get your quick thoughts as we're talking to AEW. Quick thoughts on your overall impressions of the pay-per-view this past uh, Sunday, AEW Double or Nothing. I thought Double or Nothing was just okay. It, like, the main event, like, I expected more out of that. Yeah. Honestly, probably, like, the match of the night, I guess, had to be the Fatal 4-Way for the world title. So, when you say you expected more out of the main event... I said the same thing during my review because Moxley hyped that up on the last Dynamite before the pay-per-view as it was going to be way worse than it was. And I mean, Claudio and Matt fought in the back of a truck. Matt's foot exploded at one point in Mox's face. So, I mean, there were some cool spots and stuff, but I expected way more blood. I expected way more violence. And I thought... The one last year with the BCC and the JAS was the better anarchy in the arena. I mean, this one had some cooler spots, but as an overall match, I liked last year's better. The thing I didn't like was that the band just kept playing when the match was going on. Well, they did the same thing last year, too, where the music just kept playing. So with that, I think it was Brian Alvarez gave some insight on that. He was told that last year... The music just kept playing and playing and playing and playing and playing, and some fans kind of got tired of it. So what the plan was this year was the music would keep going, and when the Young Bucks felt like the fans were kind of dying off from the music, they would super kick the lead singer and they would end it. What they were doing was they would go through the song once, and then the song would replay and the crowd would pop. And so every time they would listen for that crowd reaction when the song would restart, and they'd gauge it going, okay, is this the last one? Okay, is this the last one? And I think it played full three times. And then when the fourth time started, but in between, you know, that fourth time of the song going is when they ended it. So it was up to the Bucks to be like, all right, we think we're losing the crowd with the music. Time to end it. So that's that's what that was. It's supposed to be a little funny thing of the song going. But it kind of took me out of it because the way they were singing it with a live band and stuff. The the song didn't come off as like, oh, we're invoking violence. It's just like, this is a fun, cool song. 
almost like a love song, wild thing. You make my heart sing. You make everything. You know what I mean? So it's like that song didn't even work for me anyways. It kind of took me out of the match a little bit in terms of, oh, this is supposed to be violent. So why didn't you have a violent sounding song playing, I guess? Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I thought the ending was all right. Yeah. Like Takesha turned. Oh, I liked that part. I liked Takesha stuff. Because now we get to see, as we'll talk about later, where does that lead? Is it just going to be Don and Takeshita? Or do they add more to that? Because we'll talk about here in a little bit. Don said he wants to grow his new family. So that's interesting. I wonder who they add, though. That's going to be interesting. They also kept teasing Takeshita and Okada. But again, well, he, said, like, he said tonight, like, Takeshita's better than Okada. Yep. So maybe they do that match at... Well, I don't know if you saw the clip, but after the pay-per-view, Kenny did say, well, we're outnumbered again tonight, but I do have some friends not here, one or two friends not here, that I can bring in to even the odds. Most people thought that was Kota Ibushi, which it most likely probably will be, but then if he brings a second friend, it could be Okada, it could be Kazuchika Okada, because... I think those two teamed recently in New Japan this year. And um, Omega talked about how he had so much fun teaming with Okada opposed to being his opponent for so many years. So we'll see if that's what they do, who they bring in, and how this all goes. But as far as tonight's Dynamite does go, what are your overall thoughts and what do you think of tonight's show? I thought it was okay. I'm not going to say it was a great show. I thought it was just okay. I would say the same thing. I would say in the first hour, I was kind of pretty bored. In the first hour, the first hour bored me a little bit, but I thought the best part was like the Don Callis stuff. Which, oh yeah, which we'll get into that yeah. later. But I thought that was the, the best part of tonight. I thought Don's promo was great, but there was a lot of stuff that just didn't catch my attention. And Jesus, Jungle Boy, just a nothing guy again in AEW. Like, oh my God, you go from challenging for the world title to under the mid card, basically. Like, are you kidding me? We'll get into all that, but I want to say thank you, guys, if you're watching live, twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited, watching live or later on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, or listening on podcast services all around the globe, like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription, or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and they always give you one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here for Wrestling Unlimited. Also, remember to head over to YouTube, hit that join button down below, and become a channel member. And finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game like Star Wars Jedi Survivor, claiming the free game, which I believe is still Fallout New Vegas, yep, or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, Use our code right down here, PWUnlimited, at checkout. Find a pre-order Alan Wake 2, pre-ordering Ghost Runner 2, 
We'll use our code P-W-U-N-L-I-M-I-T-E-D at checkout. Doesn't cost you anything. It just takes you a couple seconds to type it in. So with that, as far as AEW Dynamite does go, Dynamite comes on the Earth Excalibur, welcoming us alongside Tony Schiavone, Taz, and Brian Danielson as we lead into our first match of the night, which was John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta against the Lucha Bros and Bandito. And so I just need to say this really quick. They signed Bandito, and he's just an extra. He's just a random, oh, um, you can go here because we need a third. Oh, you can go here because you need a third. Just Monday, Tuesday, four days ago, he was part of Best Friends. Now he's part of the Lucha Bros, teaming with the Lucha Like, what? This None of this makes sense with Bandito. I don't know what their plan is for Bandito. I don't know what they want to do with him. But he's just become another guy on the roster who can just get thrown anywhere because it doesn't matter what we do with him, win, lose, or indifferent. So, yeah. And I remember when they were here in Fresno and Bandito took on Brian Danielson. Bandito was moreover and in... Granted, the Fresno market is like 65, 70% Latino Mexican, but Bandito was getting bigger babyface reactions here in Fresno than Brian Danielson. And they haven't done Jack Diddley with him since. I mean, yeah, he got an international championship match against Orange Cassidy. Seemingly joined best for, I don't even know, because when best friends, when Chuck and Trent came out to the ring for the Battle Royal last week on the, at the pay-per-view, Bandito's freaking Titantron was playing when they came out. Then Bandito came out after them with his Titantron still going, but the best friend's music playing. So I don't know what the hell is going on with Bandito and AEW. But as far as this match does go, I liked it. I thought it was a good way to open up the show. It was, it was good. And like, didn't this guy's name, uh, Conan, like, said, what the heck are they doing with Bandito? He said that with a couple of people, but yeah, Bandito specifically. He, because Conan was getting, he was on the, um, he was on with Dave Meltzer, and he was like, you know, they have Bandito, and I saw he was he added and started doing stuff with the best friends group. Like I don't even know what they're doing with him. They've got no plans, but yet they want to sign him and they want to keep him from doing other things. So it's like, yeah, I get it, Conan. I'm, it's frustrating when you see somebody like that, and it's like. Maybe he should have took that WWE offer, and he could have been in NXT with with Dragon Lee right now. Just saying. And I get, I get what people are going to say, because I tweeted this out the other day. Oh, well, WWE only wanted to sign him because AEW wanted to sign him. Okay, but he still got the offer. Maybe, and, and, and who knows? He could have gone there, signed, impressed in the Performance Center, and boom. Hell, make him and Dragon Lee the next um, Lucha Dragons type deal. Make them the big Mexican tag team in NXT. Give them the tag team titles and all that. That would have been great. But now he's just, what do they call it? An accessory guy. Whenever someone needs a third, whenever someone needs a partner, we'll just throw Bandito in there because it don't matter what we do with him. That's just how it comes off. As far as this match does go. We'll go for it. Well, main reason why he signed with AEW is because this, at the time, like his significant other didn't want to leave Mexico. True. I'm pretty sure. True. I do remember hearing that. You have a point. And that's like. Yeah. Like. And like those types of situations. Like, yeah. Like you're choosing family over. Right. Like 
WWE, which he probably also got better money offer than in AEW because probably in NXT you're 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 making pennies in NXT. Probably, yeah. I know Bandito's manager said that. I don't know if this is true, but what his manager said was like Dragon Lee's gonna not Bandito's, but Dragon Lee's manager said we've signed with WWE. He's gonna go in there do about a year or so with NXT, and then the ex- the expectation is that after a year he'll be on the main roster making main roster money. So that's that's what they're thinking for Dragon Lee as far as his side goes. So that, I don't know if Bandito would have got the same thing or not. Doubt it. So I mean, you never, you it. never know, though. Right, exactly. That's you what I said. Know. That's like I said. You never know. He could have. They could have wanted to sign him just so AEW didn't get him. He gets down there and super impresses, but we'll see. I mean, at this point, put him back in ROH, have him feud with Claudio, and give him the Ring of Honor World Title. Like he was a great Ring of Honor World Champion. remember he was part of that all-in show where he teamed with Rey Mysterio and Phoenix. Mm-hmm. That's when everyone was like, Bandito's going to be the next great big Mexican superstar. And he's done great things, but he I don't think ever lived up to that expectation at that time. I, I just don't I mean, think he did. Well, he signed with Ring of Honor like immediately after right. that. He's done all right like, when he first signed there, but then like it was like later on, that's when he started to become great. Yeah, because it was Bandito, Phoenix, and Ray against Kotobushi, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson. Imagine if it was Ray and the Lucha Bros, because they had Pentagon fight Kenny that night. Mm-hmm. That would have been much cooler. And that match, Pentagon. that main event match, did get time cut because Kotobushi, uh, not Kotobushi, Okada and Marty Skrull went long that night. So the main event did get cut. To where, like, basically they counted one, two, three, and excuse me, literally it was one, two, three, we're off the air. Like, that match was supposed to go way longer than it did, but damn, Marty Skrull and Okada wanted to go 20-something minutes. I think they went, like, 26, 27 minutes or so. And that was the semi-main right before them, so they couldn't have cut from anything else to help the main event. But as far as the match tonight does go, the BCC... Tried to attack early and suffered triple super, triple super kicks on the floor, but then cut off with some dives before Bandito and the Lucha Bros took off. All six men brawled around ringside before the match officially began with Yuta and Bandito. Uh, Bandito hit a stalling suplex for a full minute as the Lucha Bros held Moxley and Claudio back. Yuta avoided a fear factor, but ate a Phoenix rope walk kick while Penta took out Claudio with a backstabber. Yuta dodged the springboard from Bandito, and then there was a crossbody as Moxley and Claudio hit an assisted spike pile driver on the floor as we went into a commercial break. Bandito remained isolated until a torneo laid out Moxley, and Phoenix made the hot tag with the comeback thrust kick to Claudio and a corner spin kick to Yuta. There were some dueling thrust kicks on Yuta and a sling blade by Penta on Claudio, who followed this up with the roll-through DDT on Moxley before being laid out with a Claudio lariat. Bandito and Yuta then entered the ring for a long forearm exchange until Bandito hit a pop-up cutter. Lucha Bros then hit double dives on Moxley and Claudio, while Bandito hit a huge frog splash for a two on Yuta. Danielson then attributes the training they've done with Yuta to the kickout as he would have had, wouldn't have kicked out like that a year ago. 
saying we've really t taught him to be resilient and stuff. Moxley then saves Yuta with uh, 21 plex as Claudio flew in with an uppercut, leading to Yuta hitting a Busaku knee, anvil elbows, and a seatbelt for the pin victory again, giving Wheeler Yuta the pin, which I really, really like. What do you think of the match overall? Which was solid. That was a good opening match. You got something big planned for Wheeler Yuta. I don't know what it is. Right. They got, they got something big planned for him. Yeah, he got the pin at the pay-per-view. He pinned Omega. Then he got the pin again tonight. And Danielson even said this in the media scrum after the pay-per-view, that he likes when AEW over other companies like to give opportunities and moments to younger talent like Yuta got at the pay-per-view. Like they were making a big deal out of Yuta getting that pin. Mm -hmm. Right, which they should be. If he got it, they should be hyping that up, not just like, oh, well, the BCC won. No, it should be the BCC won, and Wheeler Yuta was the one to pick up that victory for the team. Like, keep pushing that because it, it helps make Yuta not just feel like the other guy in the group, the guy feeding off of these former WWE superstars. No, it makes him feel not quite, if they're here, not quite on their level, but just right under them and closer to their level than he ever had been, which I, I thoroughly love. I don't know what they're going to like with that in the near future. Like, I don't know if it's going to be just a world title match or TNT match, but it should be something big. I hope they finally move him and Claudio out of ring of honor as far as like not having them win a bunch of ring of honor belts. Cause he doesn't need to get that pure belt back. I think he needs to go and become TNT champion or or international champion, and they can have Claudio win the TNT title. Yeah. Would you know what would be cool? Huh. They. Sonata, the IWGP world champion? Yes. If they had him versus Sonata at Forbidden Door. That'd be, that'd be awesome. That'd be a really good match. Also, I'm I mean, wondering. Go for it. Yeah, I guess not an opponent at Forbidden Door, right? Right. Now they have nobody for him. Well, they haven't announced anything for Forbidden Door, and they they really haven't teased much. I felt like we were going to get more teases tonight, and we really the only tease that I and maybe I missed something. The only tease I really noticed was the whole Takeshita Okada. I didn't really notice and feel any other real teases for Forbidden Door. So it's Forbidden Door anyway. June twenty fifth, I want to say. They got to start building that up like, immediately. Then. Yeah, they don't have much time. It is. That's not what I wanted. Should have done that tonight. Jesus. Yeah, no, they, they really should have started. It is. Ba -ba 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 -bum. Why is this not telling me? June 25th. So they literally have one, two, three more episodes of Dynamite to basically build that entire show. Well, I take it back. They have three episodes of Dynamite and two episodes of Collision. So they literally have one, two, three, four, five episodes of television, if we're not counting Rampage, to build up Forbidden Door. And I'm, I'm really interested to see how they use Collision to build up the pay-per-view stuff. And if we're supposed to get the different brands, you know, 
One roster's on Dynamite, one roster's on Collision. How are they going to come together for the pay-per-views and stuff? They probably won't use Collision a lot for building up Forbidden Door. I mean, I think they really have to now because they've only got three weeks, so they need that extra TV time to set something up, especially with people that we don't see on Dynamite. Like, Miro's coming back. Well, who's is he going to be on Forbidden Door? You're going to have to build that on Collision. Andrade's supposed to be coming back, and who's he going to face? And uh, Andrade might not be able to be on Forbidden Door, though, because of his affiliation with AAA. Like but the, him and Lucha Bros, I don't think they can. Him, Lucha Bros, Commander, Vikingo, um, Bandido, I don't think can. And there's a couple other names. The one thing that keeps getting me is they keep pushing Thunder Rosa, but apparently she's not even cleared to compete yet. Like, even close. So, I don't know what they're doing with that. The whole thing that gets me with that whole AAA thing is that Kenny Omega, he was a former AAA champion. He, he has so many AAA shows. Right. He's allowed to do New Japan stuff. Right, but I think that's different because he's not like a guy that built his name in AAA. Not a guy that still works for AAA, if you know what I mean. Get it, but still. Yeah, no, I get where you're coming from, though. We go backstage. Alex Marvez with the Young Bucks and Hangman Page asking about how they feel after anarchy in the arena. Matt Jackson said the BCC... (coughs) Excuse me. Matt Jackson said the BCC brought out the worst in them. As he never thought he'd see the day he tried to burn off someone's face with an exploding sneaker. Page said that they're still standing and still swinging, while the BCC relies on the number games. Then, interestingly, Dark Order would just walk up. Evil Uno enters with Alex Reynolds and John Silver, who apologized for interrupting with his new friends. Which, really, these are his old friends from before you. His closer friends. Anyways, Page was going to go after them, but Marvez asked Page's thoughts on the word of Kenny Omega going back to Canada and taking some time off, potentially. Page said Omega didn't go back home to Canada and then walked off. It definitely implied that Omega was presumably gone, going somewhere. So, Dominion is this weekend. Could Kenny be in Japan and show up at the Dominion show to set something up for Forbidden Door? That's my question. Because they said Kenny left. Kenny's gone out of the country, and Marvez assumed that meant Canada. But then Hangman says, Kenny didn't go to Canada. And then left. Didn't give anything else. So is Kenny showing up at Dominion this weekend? Does Will Ospreay have a match at Dominion? I assume so. That's a good question. I haven't looked at the lineup. But do you do Will? Maybe... Go for it. Say it while I look this up. He's fighting. He's fighting at Dominion. He, let's say he wins his match, and then Kenny Omega comes out and said, you know, we had a banger match at Wrestle Kingdom. Why don't we do another one at Forbidden Door? Now, here's my question for you, though. Do they do that match at Forbidden Door, or do they save it for All In in Wembley in London, where Will Ospreay is going to be an even bigger star than in Canada? I mean... If I were them, I would save it for all in, but I feel like that'd be too long. Um, okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. 
Will Ospreay versus Lance Archer. The winner then faces Kenny Omega for the IWGP United States Championship at a later date, which they have teased could be Forbidden Door. There you go. Yeah. Or let's say Will Ospreay wins at Forbidden Door, and they said, all right, let's just settle it, the third one at all in. So you're saying Osprey beats him for the belt of Forbidden Door, and then, yeah, I get it, I get it. Tiebreaker at all in. Gotcha. That wouldn't be I a bad like idea. Probably want to put it back. I feel like they want to put it back on Osprey so they can just have the belt back in New Japan full-time rather than just Kenny holding it part-time. Right, and I like that idea, doing the three then, but I don't know if we're still doing the Elite and the BCC, do you tie Kenny up with other stuff on these big shows, especially All In, and not have him do anything with this Elite BCC stuff? Speaking of the BCC, BCC will be in action at Dominion this weekend because it will be Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii against Moxley, Claudio, and Shota Umino for the open weight six-man tag team championships. Technically, BCC in action as well this weekend at Dominion. Surprisingly, no Wheeler Yuta. No, because basically Wheeler Yuta is Claudio's show to Umino to John Mox. You know, Moxley took Umino under his wing and trained him or whatever we're supposed to think, like Claudio has done with Wheeler. So that's why they still need one New Japan guy in the match or on that side. Because... I think if it was Yuta, then no one would believe that Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii would lose. I still don't think many believe they would lose, but I think putting Shota Umino in there gives a little more like, oh, maybe these three can beat the champions. Just my thought. I honestly could have saved that match for Forbidden Door. At least Very true. Like, all right, we'll put the whole BCC and the elite stuff on hold, and then resume it after Forbidden Door, so yeah. we give everybody something to do for Forbidden Door. And maybe this does lead to something. I mean, I wouldn't hate it if this led to like Moxley versus Okada or Moxley versus Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. It'd probably be Moxley versus Okada because they probably want. Maybe they want to do Tanahashi versus CM Punk because. They were supposed to do that last year. Yeah, yeah, because they were supposed to do that last year. Now, we did get Moxley and Tanahashi last year at Forbidden Door, so I don't know if they would do that two years in a row. Let's say just do Okada. I feel like that'd be a better match. Right. As we move forward, um, uh, sorry, I got a text message from my daughter. Cancel that out on my screen. There we go. Uh, Tony Schiavone introduces Switchblade Jay White and Juice Robinson to the ring. He asked about their attack on Ricky Starks backstage at Double or Nothing. White said that he bets Stark feels on top of the world, having eliminated both of them from the Battle Royal. But Starks is an international champion and lost to White. Robinson brings up FTR saving Starks from their attack. And FTR aren't Starks' friends since Starks has no friends, which... None of that even made sense to me. Why would FTR save Ricky? Like, why? Anyways, White then ran down FTR. I mean, Go for it. I, mean, I guess from that standpoint, it's like, all right, all right, let's help this guy. He's no one helping him right now, so they're just trying to be like, 
I'd be like the hero saving the little kid from the from bullies or something. Like that's how I kind of view it. Right. So just finish this off really fast. Uh, White ran down FTR until the AEW World Tag Team Champions made their way to the ring. White and Robinson hid behind Shivani as they believe FTR are there to apologize them and join the Bullet Club Gold, calling them top shelf top guys. White went to hand the microphone to Harwood, but dropped him, allowing Robinson to pop Harwood with a uh, handful of quarters and hit his finisher. White laid out Wheeler with a blade runner before bailing as Ricky Starks made the save. Starks then challenged White to finally put an end to all this next week. Now, here's my thing. Just like I said with Bandito earlier, random, random, random. AEW likes to do random, nonsensical, what-the-hell things, and that's what this feels like. Why are we putting FTR in this at all? Are we going to see Ricky lose to Jay White next week and then Jay White and, and Juice challenge for the tag titles? I mean, I could see that happening, and it would make a little sense, but it's still just super random. They could have got them there a different way, a better way that made more sense, but I just don't like the inclusion of FTR. I think it's too random and just out of left field. You got FTR doing a lot of random stuff. They now. do. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. And in it, it doesn't just hurt FTR. It hurts the tag division, too, because they're the tag champions doing random-ass things and not just, you know. I feel like they're doing more storyline stuff with FTR, which is fun. Like, I liked the Jay Lethal, Mark Briscoe, Jeff Jarrett stuff. But then you almost forget that they're the tag champs and the tag titles are even on the line because I kind of did. When we went into that match at the pay-per-view, I was just like, oh, this is just... Which side is Mark Briscoe on? And then they realize, oh, crap. Yeah, the tag titles are on the line. So I feel like they've made the tag titles not feel insignificant, but almost be an afterthought. So then as we move forward, Tony Khan makes another big announcement for Collision. And this is the one that we've all been waiting for. This is the one that we've wanted him to say and not save till June 17th. Khan is backstage and says tonight's announcement is that the debut edition of AEW Collision will feature CM Punk. This got both loud cheers and some boos from the live crowd in San Diego. But they finally did it. They finally announced it. They finally stated Punk is coming back and will be on Collision and will be on the first episode of Collision in, how many weeks is that? Two weeks? One in two weeks. Two weeks from this Saturday is the first episode of Collision. We all knew it was going to happen. There was the little, quote, hiccup when when Punk threw a hissy fit over a steal. We don't know what that situation really is, but what are your thoughts on Punk coming back and being on the first episode of Collision? Do you think it's going to be like a rampage thing where you hype him up on the first episode and then he means nothing for that show going forward? Or is this going to be different because he's not supposed to be on Dynamite, only Collision? Um, I feel like having Punk on that first show, probably just trying to... AEW's just trying to have him on that first show to like boost up the ratings for the first show. Oh, yeah. It's like, Hey, this show's important. We got CM Punk on the first ever episode. Then could honestly just die off from there. Like that's what I'm. I hope it's not that. 
like my other concern with collision is I hope it doesn't affect a lot of people's indie booking dates because like that was my yeah. biggest concern with collision. It's like this well, is gonna affect a lot of talents like booking dates. Especially Ring of Honor talent, because there's been a number of Ring of Honor talent that have been told keep your Saturdays open. And Ring of Honor guys that don't work main roster AEW, they rely on indie bookings and signings on Saturdays. And now they may not get all of their Saturdays because as we go forward, Rampage will be filmed after or before, most likely after Dynamite episodes on Wednesdays. And then the collision tapings will be where they film ROH or most episodes of ROH. That's going to hurt. I think for the most part, ROH talent possibly. You feel like this starting to turn into like a WWE schedule? Not necessarily, but I get where you're coming from as far as more and more days on the road. When the whole thing with AEW and attracting talent early on was, hey, you only got to really work one or two days a week. And Granted, there's going to be guys that still only have to work one day a week, only a Saturday or only a Wednesday. But like this weekend, I think they're going on the road. They've got house shows and stuff. So they are adding more days to the schedule. I mean, it's like, why do you think some talent choose AEW exactly. over WWE? The, they can like just build their own schedule from that. The freedom of being able to do what they want outside of the company. And having those extra days off to do those extra things. So, yeah. But with Collision, I don't think it's going to die as fast as Rampage. Because the whole thing with Punk was on the first episode and then, like, no other episodes. But if Collision is what we're hearing, Punk is supposed to be on all of those episodes, not Dynamite. So it's like, you can only see Punk on Collision, so you have to watch Collision if you're a Punk fan. Unlike Rampage, which was... Oh, Punk's going to be on this episode of Rampage, the first Rampage, and probably never again. So that's the difference there. But I just, I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a lot of problems with college football, and then when we get to the NFL playoffs, and then we have other sports head-to-head with it. How is Collision going to do when they go head-to-head with a WWE pay-per-view? The first one's going to be SummerSlam in August, so... Ah. And then I'm trying to think. I don't think they would go head to head with Money in the Bank because Money in the Bank's going to be an earlier show since it's going to be live primetime in London. But when they have to go up against SummerSlam, we'll see. I'm really going to be interested in that rating Collision versus SummerSlam. SummerSlam is going to destroy Collision. Yeah, like we won't ratings. get, we won't get a, a SummerSlam number unless Peacock puts something out, but we'll know based off of, say, the last two or three weeks of collision, and then August 5th or 4th, whatever the date is, we'll see if that does take a big hit or not compared to what it was doing previous weeks. Well, and another thing is, though, you know, all those WWE premium live events are on Peacock, so you can just, like, put Peacock on your phone and then just turn on collision on your TV. I mean, true, but some people don't like watching two things at once. I know... A number of people that watched AW Double or Nothing, like myself, which I had to watch only one at a time so I can do my notes and everything, and then watched NXT later or the next morning because they didn't want to have to focus on both and miss something. So we'll see. 
We will see. As we move forward, we had a triple threat match. It was Swerve Strickland, Big Bill, and Trent Beretta. This was uh, such a random triple threat match. So the like, way so the way they tried to build this up on social media, which they really didn't, but they kind of did, they were like, oh, these three men looked really good in the Battle Royal. They didn't win, but now they're going to fight each other. Maybe the winner can be next in line for the belt. Like, okay. And that's what they did. The winner, Swerve, became the next number one contender and will face Orange Cassidy next week for the belt. Should have just called it a number one contenders match. They should have. They didn't. They should have. Yeah. If they would have said number one contenders match, then people would have been interested in this yeah. match in the first place. So we saw the run of eliminations. Bill went on at the pay per view. They kind of played a little video there. While also Strickland was responsible for Bill's elimination. Strickland immediately took a powder as Beretta used his speed to escape the early clutches of Bill and take out Strickland with a dive. Back inside the ring, Bill used his size to hit multiple corner splashes. He dumped Strickland over the top rope and gave Beretta a big boot into a picture-in-picture. Picture. Bill was taken out on the floor as Strickland and Beretta fought on the apron, where Beretta pulled Strickland into Big Bill's big boot. Beretta then connected with a moonsault off the second rope to the floor and took out Bill, but ate a Strickland running punt to follow. Strickland wanted his double stomp, but Bill fought up the ropes with him before Beretta joined Strickland and both superplexed uh, Bill into a cool moment. Beretta connected with a half-and-half half overhead suplex on Strickland, but ran into a boss man slam from Big Bill. Strickland missed a swerve stomp on Beretta, who hit a running knee and a pile driver for a two. Bill and Beretta then fought on the apron, where Bill choke slammed him back into the ring. Strickland hit a double stomp on Bill from the top rope on um, to the apron, Secured, or he scurried into the ring and then pinned Trent to pick up the victory. So there we go. Swerve wins, and Swerve now moves on next week to challenge Orange Cassidy for the international championship. And every time I see Big Bill, I'm like, man, this guy just, from when he was in WWE to now, not only has transformed his body, but has transformed his in-ring skills and has gotten so much better in the ring to where, like, man, it's a shame he didn't go back to WWE and signed with AEW instead. Because I feel like Triple H always liked him. And I think Triple H now being in control of the main roster could have done some great things with him, whether he was, you know, Colin or yeah, Colin Cassidy or Big Cass or whatever name they wanted him to go by there. But what did you think of the triple threat? That was solid. Do you think Swerve would, is going to be the one to take the belts off Cassidy? At this point, I don't think anybody is. I think he's going to be like Hook and never drop the FTW title. Like, what? I mean, eventually, he's got to lose it, just like Jade eventually had to lose the TBS title. But against who? Like, I just don't see anybody that makes sense right now. Maybe Swerve, yeah, can, but... Eh. I mean, I can see Swerve just, like, try to make the embassy look strong. Yeah, well, they need that because the embassy is just a bunch of goobs. That's how they feel. Just randos. It's kind of shocked Brian Cage even resigned with AEW just to stay with the embassy. Um, um, who knows? Who knows what they told him to sign him? We never know. But uh, moving forward, a video package highlighted Chris Statlander's road to recovery 
and culminating with her winning the TBS championship at Double or Nothing, officially making making her the one in 60-1 and one against Jade Cargill. What did you think of Chris Downlander coming back and being the one to defeat Jade at the pay-per-view for the belt? So I know we've always said in the past that Chris Statlander had to be the one to take the belts off Jade because, you know, we've always said, like, whoever needs to beat Jade, it needs to be someone that will, like, benefit from it. Right. And Chris Statlander was, like, the perfect one. I was just kind of shocked that they took the belts off Jade, like, the way they did. I mean, I wish it would have been in a regular match. Because it kind of makes Chris Statlander's title victory almost seem kind of like cheap. Like a heel move. As far as, oh, I'm going to come down here when you're hurt. You just had a long match. You just worked. Okay, I'm fresh as a daisy. Let me beat you. Apparently, though, they took the title off Jade and put it on Statlander. Because A, that was always the original plan. But B, Jade's taking some time off. That's the word. I wonder what she's doing. I don't know. But that's what uh, Fightful reported today. Sean said it on his podcast that uh, it looks like, from what he's heard, Jade is taking a little time off. Because he was asked, hey, when can we get the Jade-Chris Statlander rematch? And he's like, I think it'll come eventually, but Jade's taking some time off right now. I would say they'll probably do it either at All Out or All In. I would say save that one for All out the Chicago pay-per-view. So that'll be like two months she'll be taking time off. If that's the thing. I mean, she's got to come back a little bit before that to build it up and whatnot. But yeah, give her, give her a month and a half or so. I don't know why she needs the, time off or what for, but we'll see. I mean, it's kind of already like built up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense. You the rematch. Oh, you beat me. Well, I want to beat you back. I just hope I think I just hope that uh Jade don't come back and just immediately get the title back. Like that would suck for for Statlander where it's like, "Oh, okay. Well, this Statlander chick really don't mean nothing because if Statlander goes out there and loses to Jade in an actual match, then it's going to look like, "Oh, she can't beat anybody. Like she can't beat Jade for real." She had to beat Jade when Jade was already down and out, when Jade already was hurt. Kind of like Edge, when he cashed in his money in the bank after John Cena had already worked an Elimination Chamber match. Oh, you got to have them hurt and tired before you can actually beat them. So if if and when they do the rematch, I think Statlander almost has to win or it'll make her look so bad against Jade. Uh, Tyreek will... Well, Warren says, what about Ty? What's she going to do? Well, Ty is probably just going to feud with Chris Statlander. They teased it. Yeah, they teased that tonight. We'll talk about that during Statlander's match. But, yeah, they teased Taya going for the TBS belt yet again. I don't want to see it. She's already lost twice with the belt on the line. I get it. That was to Jade. But move her on to something different. Move her on to maybe, I don't know, Athena in Ring of Honor? No. She has to stay with the no. That'd be two heels and that. Can, mm. I mean, you can have her turn babyface in Ring of Honor. Maybe True. just have her beat Athena. Then you can move Athena back up to AEW. I don't know. I wouldn't want to see Taya like held down in Ring of Honor. If you know what I mean. Like, 
I don't know. I just feel like Taya going to Ring of Honor would be all for nothing. The big pop and circumstance that they made when she came in and everything being like, oh, we've got one of the greatest female wrestlers in the world and this and that, and she was sought after by everybody, and we got her. And then just to put her in Ring of Honor was like, oh, yeah, we got nothing for her. No ideas, no plans, no nothing, which they do for a lot of people. So, I don't know. Well, you can you can just rebuild her down in Ring of Honor for a little bit. True. That, that's, what, that's what they did with Athena, and then you can add Athena to the Outcast, which that would be freaking awesome. Oh, yeah, she'd fit in well. She'd fit in well. She'd look at Britt Baker and just be like, hey, hussy, what, you want to fight my girls? No, I, I would love Athena. Heal Athena and the Outcast would actually work very well. Because, hey, I mean, Gap put someone in the Outcast for blood and guts. If that's the route they go. I don't know. And then the word this week was they may be doing it Elite BCC. Not the women. You can always do two. Yeah, but would that be on the same night, two blood and guts? Would that be a little too much, though? I think it'd be a little too much. They war games for the men and women on the same night. But I meant too much as far as, like, in AEW, if you do blood and, or blood and guts, you got to bleed. And that'd be a lot of blood on one, like, dynamite episode. A lot. If you got to have the men bleed in theirs, and then the women have to bleed somehow or some way or some sort in theirs. Because if the women ain't bleeding a lot, then they're going to be like, oh, yeah, they hampered the women. They held the women back. They this and that. You know what I mean? There's some women. We know Britt likes to bleed. Afraid to bleed. Yeah, we know Britt likes likes to to bleed. bleed. Thunder Rosa, I'm pretty sure she likes to bleed as well. Well, I don't... Thunder Rosa ain't going to be in that match. She's nowhere cleared. Nowhere near being cleared. I'm sure, like, Soraya or maybe Tony Storm... I assume they're not afraid to bleed. Oh, Tony and Ruby will bleed. Ruby will, we know Ruby will bleed. Ruby don't ain't scared of blood. Ruby's been busted open before that. That street fight with Ty and, and Anna Jay. As we move forward, Renee Paquette was in the back with the acclaimed and Billy Gunn to, uh, or she walked on the entrance stage, not in the back. Uh, things didn't go their way at double or nothing, she said, when they lost the trio's tag title match or the trio's title match. Billy Gunn said that he feels he let the acclaim down. But Caster said that they win together and they lose together. And they're still the people's choice. Are they? They're not as big and hot as they were a couple months ago. Bowen said a few months ago, they got screwed out of the tag titles. And said, Gunn deserved to hold gold one more time in his career. The acclaim loves daddy ass and everyone loves the acclaimed. Um, Renee kind of just stood there and was just like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. She almost seemed a little bored, like not quite into it. And she felt awkward. Bowens then tossed the microphone after the go home line. And then Renee again, just awkwardly picked up the microphone. She's like, oh, you threw my mic. Let me go pick that up. This is a okay, but not all that great. Kind of boring segment. Like, whoa. We need to give daddy ass gold before he retires. So what does that mean? Tag titles with one of them? Trios belts? And I don't know. Meh. I assume, I assume it has to be the trios belts, but... Screw are it. Are they the one? Give them the Ring of Honor the Ring of Honor six-man belts. Yeah, but like, could they be the ones to take the belts off of House of Black? Oh, please, God, no. 
No, no, no. I mean, we'd we'd not have to watch the Kaleidoscope match anymore, but no. I don't think the Acclaimed and, and Billy Gunn need to be the ones to take the titles off of them. This is black. They're going to be the trio's champs for a while. Well, Tony likes long title reigns, and so I see them holding them belts for a, a good minute. So then we get into what I think, and I think you said it earlier, was the best thing on the show. Don Callis and Kanosuke Takeshita. Don Callis was getting, like, the same reaction Dominic gets yeah. on Monday Night Raw. Well, Christian got this a couple of weeks to, ago, too, where they booed Christians. Because I don't know if you saw the video from in the building, not, like, on television, but a fan cell phone video, where I forget what week it was. But it was leading up to the ladder match with Wardlow. And they were booing Christian so loud that in the building, you couldn't hear Christian on the microphone. And I feel like that's probably what it was for Don tonight. These people were hating Don, and I loved it. So Tony Schiavone is sick. Barely go for it. You can barely hear Don. Yeah, while watching the TV at so, home. So just think how loud it must have been in that building. So Tony Schiavone, being a very biased reporter as he is, I guess you could say, said it sickened him to have to announce Don Callis and Takeshita to the ring who don't have entrance music, but instead were just showered with booze as they walked down to the ring. Um, Callis. So they're basically supposed to be like Tommaso Ciampa was in NXT as a heel. Or when, like, Paul Heyman just comes out. He got no music half the time. Was, hey, yeah, right, music. Well, no, sometimes he'll come out to Roman's music. Sometimes he would come out to Brock's music back in the day. But he never had it. Well, he did technically have his own. The ECW theme song would play when he would come out to the ring early on when he was doing stuff with WWE before the Brock stuff. Like during the invasion, whenever Paul Heyman would come out, the ECW music would play. Um, Callus said that he hopes that those boos are for Kenny Omega as Callus is the real victim, running down all of Omega's accomplishments thanks to him. That Kenny wouldn't have had any of that without me. Callus then blames the scar on his head the scar on his head that he has to see every morning on Kenny Omega because Kenny wasn't there to stop it from happening. Callis then said, you know, I've lost a nephew, but I've gained a son. Who, well, is better than Ricky Dozon, Inoki, Maida, Mudo, and even Okada. And the way he said that, even... Okada was a huge tease, I think, for either like a member of the BCC and Takeshita against Okada and Omega or just Takeshita versus Okada. So Takeshita will show... I would say... Go for it. Let's say it's probably going to... Don Cal's probably going to add someone with Takeshita. It's probably just someone his picking. I don't think it's going to be anyone from BCC, which it could. But... Right, and and Don did say, I've, I've gained a son, and I want to grow my family. So, we will see. Hey, my biggest question is, is it going to be someone from New Japan? Is it going to be someone from AEW? Ah, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, probably AEW. 
Then you can get uh yeah. Like, I don't know who the AEW roster. Who are they gonna add? Yeah, I don't. That's what. That's why I'm like I don't know. That's a tough one. That's very tough. Ooh, I don't know, but we'll finish this off really fast. And why we think the uh, he said Dekestra will also show that soon or so soon that he's even better than Kenny Omega. Takeshita then took then took the microphone and the crowd boos even louder. He said that he will destroy the elite and Kenny Omega. Callis then said Omega destroyed his family, so he's going to build a new one to eliminate the elite from all elite wrestling. Well, then you got to think, okay, who does he add? If we look at, I'm going to pull up the AEW roster. And let's just look. Because I, I feel like it's got to be somebody from, it's got to be AEW people that he adds. Because Forbidden Door is like a one-time thing. And I don't see anybody from New Japan sticking around long enough for this storyline to really flesh out unless they really just kill it after three weeks. But if we look at who he can add, we got to look at heels. Um, so what would you say? He needs three more? Because it would be... The Bucks, Kenny, and Hangman, or would it be the Bucks and Kenny? You would have Hangman as part of this too, right? Let's say if they were gonna add a tag team, I was thinking maybe Aussie Open because they did sign Aussie Open not too long ago. But um, Mark Mark Davis is injured; he needs surgery. True. Oh, that would be because that would be nice. That would be a good one. I didn't think of. Go for it. Who? Oh, I just thought of this. What if they signed Kota Ibushi and they added him with Takesha? Oh, man. Thinking they, like... And they, could it... have had, and they could have had Kota Ibushi be like, Hey, Kenny, you left me in New Japan to start AEW. Yeah? Oh, so now... Make him think he's... Back. Make him think they're going to team him and Omega are going to team and then he turns on Kenny. I could see it. And they can go... That would be, that would be crazy. And though. they can go all the way back... To that, um, like interview or whatever Kenny did at um, Starcast, where he was asked, "Hey, so are we ever going to see Kota Ibushi sign with All Elite Wrestling?" And Kenny said, "Probably not, or not anytime soon, because if he said Kenny literally said Kota Ibushi's goal has always to been in in wrestling, IWGP Heavyweight Champion." And Kenny said that if he asked Abushi to sign with AEW and come to America with him, he knew that Abushi would do it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it immediately. So he would not want to ask Abushi that and then pull Abushi from New Japan before he ever had the chance to be the champion. The one thing he always wanted in his career. So then Kenny can go, no, I didn't leave you. I didn't take you from your dream. So then they can go the back and forth with that where you left me in New Japan, and Kenny can say, no, I didn't take you away from your dream. That's why I didn't ask you to come to AEW sooner. I think you have something there. I think you have something with that one. That can build like a huge Kenny and Ibushi match at yeah. All In. Give me that match at All In. Jesus. But if we're looking... amazing. Right? If we're looking at who can be added with Don and Takeshita, though... Butcher in the Blade, maybe? Uh, I don't know. They're with Kip Sabian right now. True. And I don't know if they're like, 
the fans would see them as like just I don't know. That's the whole point. There are so many people in this company that the fans will see as just rando. We don't care about guys, and that's why it's so hard to figure out who they would add because there are so many people you can go. Oh, these guys would do well, but the fans wouldn't care about it. You know. Like, um, I'm just trying to look at the roster here, and there's not really many that would make sense. Uh, yeah, I'm not really seeing anybody. Like, Butchers and Blade were the only ones that really stood out to me as far as heels go. But they, they did Jay White and Juice, and they had Takesha join Bullet Club Gold. And Don's now running Bullet Club Gold. That would be, that would actually be very nice. I would actually like that one. But it looks like they're going to do Juice and. And Jay going for the tag titles and doing their own thing. So I don't know. Maybe Tony. I mean, they can have, they have Juice and Jay be the tag team and just have Takesha yeah. hold like the singles title. No, I, I think that one would work. And then Don is that. suck for Jay White though. Because he would well, yeah. like a guy with Takesha. But not if you give him tag titles. Not if they win the tag belts, which I could see. Yeah, but. If he did that, then fans are just going to be like, oh, they they already ruined Jay White. They're oh, no, they're already saying that. Him with- they're already saying that. They're already saying that Jay White's ruined in AEW. <laughs> Trust me. Fans hate what they're doing with Jay White. I do, too, which, I mean, made sense why he signed with AEW because WWE just kind of, like, stopped talking to him. Yeah, that was a Vince thing. We're not hiring right now. Because Vince didn't want... New spending on the books while they were trying to sell or make a merger deal. But apparently, apparently, they're interested in Tamatonga again. That that word came out late last week. If uh, Tonga Loa, is, if he's like cleared and stuff, if he's like going to wrestle, I would You're... love to see Grill as a destiny in, in WWE. Oh, I thought you were going to say what I was thinking. Roman kicks out the Usos and brings in Gorillas of Destiny into the bloodline. And then we get Gorillas of Destiny versus the Usos. Man, would that match be so good? Would that match not be amazing? You know what I just thought of? So, a few years ago when they did Talking Smack, they had Usos on there. They were saying Usos were just calling out every tag team WWE, and they accidentally like met, like met butchered like Bullet Club. Like, give us Bullet Club. Yeah. But maybe that could be like years in the making. Usos versus Grills of Destiny. That'd be great. Like Roman's like, eh, I got more family. I don't need you guys, you disloyal pricks. I'm going to bring in more family. Different family. Brought in those guys and Tickaleo, weren't they interested in him as well? Yes. I haven't heard if they still are. But I did. There was a report last week that said Tamatonga's name was brought up again recently. What if they did bring back Hikuleo and he was just like another like solo Sokoa? That'd be kind of cool. I think Solo's way better than Hikuleo, but that's just my it opinion. <laughs> or they could. I mean, if they eventually just. Get Solo away from Roman. They can just have Solo just be a singles guy for now on. Yeah. Well, give me Solo and the Usos versus Roman and Grill is a destiny. Give me that match. That 
That should be awesome. Daniel Price says, Grills of Destiny are Tongan, not Samoan. Except they're in no way related, not even a little. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Their dad's Haku. Haku is in the family. They're in the family. Come on, you moron. What? Gorillas of Destiny are not part of the family? What? What? You guys... Oh, my God. What? You not know who their dad is? Haku. Haku's in the family? Hell, when The Rock had his first WWE match, he didn't have gear, and Haku let him wear his. His black trunks. The Rock, a couple years ago, bought him a brand new truck. No, they're the family... 100% 100% in the family. I don't know where you're getting your not even a little. They're super related. Come on, guy. Come on. Anyways. So, like, is Tom, is Tonga Low even, like, leered or something? Because I know he was oh, I don't know. for a while. I haven't heard anything of his injury recent. Let's see. Um, torn MCL back in October, underwent surgery. That's about six months at least. It could be. He could be back. I just don't know if or when. Let me see. Uh, yeah, Tamatonga said that his brother suffered an MCL tear in October. It was either late August, early October, or late September, early October, that he suffered the injury and had to undergo surgery. And then Tamatonga said the Tongaloa. Yeah, so uh, Tamatonga also said the Tongaloa underwent successful surgery and was told that he would be out for a couple of months. But I don't know how, how many a couple is. A couple is different to everybody. But I don't know if he has been cleared or not. Say he's on the verge of being cleared. Yeah, probably. I'm looking on his Twitter to see if he's posted anything. Um, not seeing much. He's been retweeting some New Japan stuff, but nothing as far as like, oh, I'm close or I'm coming or no teases or anything. So then we had a random-ass match that made no sense. Why is Darby teaming with Orange Cassidy? Huh? They, they literally tried to say, the gates of agony are in the embassy, whatever it's called, mogul embassy, with Swerve, and Swerve has a history with Darby because they're both from the Seattle area, so the Gates of Agony are now taking on Darby and Orange Cassidy, who also has a little feud going on with Swerve and this and that. I don't know. They try to make things make sense, and they make it even more or less making sense when they try to. It just hurts Darby because like, he went from... Yeah. Then with Jungle Boy. Be in that world title match at double or nothing. I'm just doing just mid-card stuff now. Yeah, but at least he's working with Orange Cassidy, who was the international champion. They put Jungle Boy back a hook. 
in a segment that the fans were, and we'll talk about here, I think it's next, the fans were dead for until Jungle Boy came out. But let's get to this match first, this tag match that was just there, did nothing for me. I was bored, bored, bored. Uh, Leon, I was bored through this match as well. Yeah, Leona and Cone, Cohen or Kona, Cone, Leona and Cone uh, attacked at the bell and took too much time hyping each other up. So Allen briefly got free of them and tried to go for a springboard coffin drop, but Leona hit a pounce in midair. Cassidy, meanwhile, got flattened with a double knee to the uh, to the chest as Brian Cage, Swerve Strickland, and Prince Nana came out on the stage to watch as Conan and Leona dominated uh, the action into picture-in-picture break. Allen suffered a running senton on the apron and a urinagi back inside the ring. Allen used a, his speed to send Leona and Cone colliding into each other to make the lukewarm hot tag to Orange Cassidy. He then used his pocket offense to gain the upper hand. He hit a satellite DDT on Cone, who ducked the orange punch to allow Leona to hit a huge Samoan drop. Cassidy countered a double choke slam into a double Hurricane Rana as Allen made the tag and used his speed to hit a spinning coffin drop and a dive to the floor on Leona. Cone then went for the kill on Cassidy, who answered back with a stun dog millionaire and a code read by Allen. Cassidy then took out Leona with a dive while Allen hit the coffin drop on Cone for the victory. So Darby does get the win. After the match, Cage, Strickland, and Nana slowly walked down to the ring where they were about to attack when, well, none other than Sting would make his way out to the ring. The icon Sting would come out. Mogul Embassy would retreat. But Strickland never took his eyes off the international title. So Sting came out. They ran away in fear. And Sting did nothing. But hey, Sting's back. And we got to hear Tony Schiavone yell, It's Sting! So there we go. What'd you think? I wonder why Sting was taking time off. Was he hurt? He's just working less this year, I guess. Sting said that this might be his final year before he was retired. And Tony was like, I don't want to push him into anything. I don't want to rush him. I want him to do it whenever he's ready. So I think he's just working less this year. I mean, makes sense, I guess. I mean, as far as the match, I was pretty bored through this match. Again, I, I was like, at first, I was like, why did they have him pair him up with, like, Orange Cassidy? Why didn't they just do, like, Jungle Boy instead? Yeah, I don't know. Jungle Boy would have made sense. Who knows? Oh, I mean, no. The, for this match, it's more of not... Darby teaming with Orange, it's Orange should have had somebody else, not Darby. Because the whole storyline is Swerve going for that international championship. So Darby being added to this is what made no sense to me, if that makes sense to you. As far as the, it shouldn't have been like, oh, Orange shouldn't have teamed with Darby. It was Darby shouldn't have teamed with Orange. As we move on forward, uh, there's a highlight video shown of MJS successfully defending the AEW world title at double or nothing. 
MJF said the clock is ticking and AEW is running out of competition. He said they're running out of gladiators for MJF to slay. And it's been made clear that no one is on the level of the devil. So the word is Adam Cole is supposed to be next in line. Hence why Adam Cole beat Jericho at the pay-per-view and then pinned him again tonight. But that's the word going around is that Adam Cole's most likely next in line to challenge MJF. Wonder if I wonder if he'll be the one to take the belt off MJF. I still Doubt feel it. like right now it might be a little too early. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't want to see Adam Cole lose. Right. I don't either. So it's like a a lose lose situation. Basically. So then this is kind of weird. Tony Schiavone's in the ring, and he goes to say something, and then all of a sudden, Hook's music just plays. He's like, so I'm here, and I'm going to, and then Hook's music plays, and I'm like, okay. So Schiavone comes, or Hook makes his way down to the ring, and he slowly gets in, and Schiavone talks about Hook helping the Hardys win on Sunday to give Matt Hardy the contract of Ethan Page. And I'll say it again. I'll say it again. If you guys know anything that I hate more than anything in wrestling is the stupid ass, oh, I'm a wrestler and I own your contract, wrestler. So I own you. That stuff is so stupid. I hate when they do that. No, Tony Khan owns all your asses. And they didn't even do anything with that on the show tonight. The whole Matt Hardy now owns Ethan Page. Maybe they do something on Rampage, but nothing was teased for Rampage for that. We got other things for Rampage, four title matches. So I don't even think there's room or time for a Matt Hardy, Ethan Page segment. So that was on the pre-show and all for nothing. But um, they're out there and the fans are just dead and like almost no reaction for Hook. He puts the mic, Shivani that is, in Hook's face. But Hook doesn't get to talk because out comes La Fashion, Ingo Bernables. They get just the slightest of boos, and then the crowd's dead again. And then he says something, uh, Jose says something about Roosh, and they go, Roosh. And he goes, oh, yeah, but where were you when Roosh was actually here? And I'm like, uh, I get what you're doing, but this is fucking death. So eventually they get in the ring, and they triple team Jungle Boy, or not Jungle Boy, uh, Hook. Before Jungle Boy does run out to make the save, he gets a good pop from the crowd. He goes out there and he dispatches both Preston Vance and Drillistico. Um, took them both out with a chair on the ramp while Jose retreated to the ring where he was met by Hook and a suplex. And then they say, Jungle Hook is standing tall in the ring, staring down Vance and Drillistico. And boy, could this have been any less anticlimactic. Again, like I said earlier, Jungle Boy goes from world title challenger. If that's the top of the card here, we're, we're using my little box that I'm in on screen. If 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 this is where Jungle Boy was four days ago, he's right here now. Like any lower and he'd be in Ring of Honor. What are your thoughts? You hate when like Tony Khan like just pairs random people together like this. Yeah, I know he, it's not the first time we've seen Jungle Boy and Hook together, but I hate when they do this. Like Jungle Hook, Ward Joe, just all stupid. And like Tony Khan, he was ripping on WWE in the past. Yeah, like WWE random teams. tag teams. 
He's doing it in AEW. Exactly. All right. So moving forward. Wait, what? Oh, my God. Daniel Price, shut the fuck up. Someone buy Tim a map so he can learn geography and figure out that Tonga and Samoa aren't the same country. I didn't say they're the same country, you diphthong. I said they're all in the same goddamn family. Hey, did you know Tamatonga was adopted, you stupid son of a bitch? God damn. How about you learn before you try to shit on me, asshole? Anyways, we get our lumped-in woman's stuff. Because, you know, AEW likes to lump all the woman's stuff together for the most part. Renee Paquette is backstage with the new AEW Women's World Champion, Tony Storm, along with Soraya and Ruby Soho. Storm said, luck had nothing to do with her title win on Sunday. She's traveled the world and done this since she was 13 years old, since she was a kid. Soho praised Storm's worth ethic, while Soraya did the same. And Storm said that the only ones lucky are the AEW fans who get to see them. Then we had the TBS title on the line. The brand new champion, Chris Statlander, was defending against Nyla Rose. They made a point to tell us this is Statlander's first match on Dynamite since January 2022. She was out for a whole year, almost. Right. So, as far as the match does go, Nyla Rose did control early on but then got taken down and put into a body scissors where she got to the ropes and broke the hole. They then fought for some suplex attempts before Rose slammed Statlander in the corner as Taya Valkyrie was shown watching backstage before going to the commercial. Rose controlled the entire break before Statlander mounted a comeback by avoiding a splash. Statlander then threw a series of strikes ending in a corner uppercut and a knee lift that led to a blue thunder bomb for a two. Statlander then went to the top, but had the legs pulled from under her and rolled it to the floor when Rose squashed her with a somersault senton. Ball set up against the barricade. Rose hit her running cannonball and a choke slam back in the ring for a two. There was a jawbreaker put, that put Statlander back in control as she connected with the 450 splash to get the victory. Valkyrie didn't look too impressed as she was watching backstage, so they're, they're teasing Taya going for the TBS title yet again. What would you think of this short title defense? I mean, hopefully they don't just treat Chris Statler as like, like constantly defending the title. Hopefully that's not the case. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And like, this is gonna really gonna suck for Taya though, because she's probably gonna lose again. Yeah, that would really suck. Because it was like, who we went from signing her, who was like, who she's like one of the best women you could possibly sign. Yet this is how they're treating her. Mm-hmm. So then we go in to our main event. It was Adam Cole. Hold on, hold on. Daniel Price back at it. Hey, you want to know something, bud? You're like, they're not related. Neither is The Rock, but The Rock is part of the family, isn't he? 
The Rock and Roman, Rikishi, all them, aren't blood. Like, Rikishi, Roman, Usos, they're blood. Rock is not their blood. Why is Rock in the family and all that? Because his father, or his grandfather, trained all of them. Hence, why Meng, Haku, is part of the family. Because he was trained under all of them, with all of them. So you lump them all in as part of the same goddamn tribe, you goddamn moron. Like, don't come at me trying to make me look wrong, trying to make me this and that. No. Kamatonga's part of the Bloodline family, technically, because they brought Meng Haku into the family. Haku and Rikishi did a lot of stuff together, which then, in turn, brought Haku into the family. And now brings Tamatango Tangaloa Hikaleo into the family. So there you go. Like, at one point, when Rikishi and Haku were teaming, they called each other brothers. So, yeah. Get it straight. Time out. No, he's fine. He's going to keep being wrong. I'm just going to keep proving that he's wrong. Anywho, main event time. I was a little disappointed with this main event. I thought it could have been better, but it kind of was just... The end felt flat a little bit. Like, there wasn't a lot of... Maybe the crowd it was the crowd was kind of into... Like, they, they yelled boom at the end when Adam Cole dropped the boom. But other than that, I felt like they weren't into a lot of this match. I feel like there was kind of too much of the outside interference and stuff i mean a little bit but not as much as normal like we see a lot more in other matches but i get what you're saying the outside interference did pull i think that is when the crowd started to die when the the outcast came out nicole and jericho slugged it out immediately with jericho gaining the advantage early on showing a shiner on his eye from the match on sunday cole then charged out of the corner with a lariat before soraya tagged in and dared cole to hit her Baker then jumped in and laid out Soraya with a sling blade and an air raid crash, but Soraya grabbed the referee, and it was long enough for Jericho to trip up Baker and put his team in control during a picture-picture break. Jericho then took the ref and distracted the referee as Ruby Soho and Tony Storm would run out to triple-team Baker, but Sheeta would then come out, and she would attack with a kendo stick to chase them all away. Baker was able to make the tag to Cole, who pounced on Jericho with a hammer fist until missing a dropkick that led to Jericho's lion salt and a two. Baker and Soraya tagged back in, both battling in the corner until Soraya was knocked off with Jericho covering his partner. Basically, Soraya's knocked down. Baker goes to the top rope. They're like, whoa, Britt Baker never goes to the top rope. Jericho then lays on top of Soraya like, don't do it, don't do it. And then Britt hits a bad-looking frog splash, I guess you can say. Because, like, she jumps, and she doesn't pump the legs. She just kind of pumps her arms for the frog splash. I don't know. But she lands on top of Jericho, who was on top of Soraya. She goes for the pin and only gets a two out of it. Um, Cole then hits a backstabber on Jericho. He tries to go for the Panama Sunrise, and Jericho counters that into a Walls of Jericho. Baker then put on her glove. This 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 was stupid. I didn't like this part at all. So Baker's on the apron, and she's slowly putting on the glove, gets in the ring, then just puts her hand in Jericho's mouth. And she, you could tell she's not squeezing, no, none of that. And the ref's just staring at her, just watching. Then she somehow knocks Jericho down, 
puts him in the actual lockjaw, and the ref looks at Jericho like, are you going to tap? Like, what? And then eventually Soraya makes the save. But uh, how dumb was this? Because the ref just, at first he tells Britt, don't get in the ring. And then he just lets her go. And then he literally looks at Jericho when he's in the lockjaw like, are you going to tap out? Well, A, it's mixed tag. So the men can only wrestle the men. The women can only wrestle the women. So essentially, if you think it like that, Jericho tapping wouldn't result in the finish or shouldn't. But then Britt's not even the legal competitor. So what are you doing, referee idiot? Again, dumb AEW refs. Anywho. I've seen people on Twitter like ripping on that. Like, yeah. What the heck? It made no sense. He should not. Like, when she put the hand in his mouth to stop the, the walls of Jericho, that's one thing. Okay. But immediately before she goes for the lockjaw, because she's got to get Jericho down, and then she's got to like move herself. The ref should have stopped her before she hit got the actual lockjaw on. But whatever. We know AEW don't care about rules half the time. Um, Soraya broke it up, but Cole looked for a super kick only to run into a code breaker for a two. Both Jericho and Cole collided with clotheslines into a double down spot before both ladies jumped in and slugged it out yet again. Soraya turned a neck breaker attempt to a good night as Jericho grabbed the baseball bat. But when he went to swing at Baker, he had a super, excuse me, he had a super kick from Cole. Baker then kind of kicked Soraya down and then they hit a double super kick on Jericho before Adam Cole lowered the boom and picked up the victory. Again, ref just letting Britt in there doing whatever she wants. What happened to the five count? You got to get out. I don't know. Rules don't matter in AEW most of the time. But what did you think of this main event match? I feel like the main event could have been better. Oh, yeah. Than what it was. Way better. Well, like I said, once like the outcast ran out. I feel like they lost the crowd. The crowd kind of just died from there. And they like they liked Adam Cole to the point where when he did this his finish, they yelled "boom!" and then that was kind of just it. Tonight was basically that main event was just basically just to like wrap up Jericho and Adam Cole. You think it's wrapped up? I mean, it should be. And Cole's two and two and zero. Oh. Yeah, just. Have Adam Cole move on to other things. Well, again, Adam, just have Britt Baker full focus on outcast. Yeah, uh, the, the rumor is Cole might be the next in line for MJF, so we'll see where that leads to. Adam Cole versus MJF, I think that would be a good match. At the same time, it's like, I don't want to see Adam Cole lose. No. I also don't want to see MJF drop the belt that early. Yeah. So as far as rampages go this week, we do know that it's, they called it the championship edition of Rampage. The uh, AAA Mega Championship will be on the line when the heel Delva Kingo defends against Commander Andrelistico. The New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Women's Championship will be on the line when Willow Nightingale defends against Emi Sakura. The New Japan TV Championship will be on the line when Zack Sabre Jr. defends against Action Andretti. Also, the Ring of Honor Pure Championship will be on the line when Katsuyori Shibata defends against Lee Moriarty. As far as next week's AEW Dynamite does go, we do know that Ricky Starks will be taking on Jay White. Juice Robinson and FTR will be banned from ringside. And finally, the International Championship will be on the line when Orange Cassidy defends against Swerve Strickland. With that, guys, that is everything that took place tonight on AEW Dynamite.
So you know what we, we, this way, we thought of the show. Now it's time to hear what you guys thought of tonight's show as we go to the polls. Let's check the Twitch poll first. 80% liked the show. 20% thought it was just all right. As far as the Twitter poll does go. 63% liked the show. 30% thought it was just all right. And 6% did not like it. Moving on to the YouTube community poll. What do you think of Dynamite? 64% liked the show. 23% thought it was just all right. And 13% did not like it. Some of the comments here. This person says, 5 out of 10. Good matches, but a lot of them had no story behind them. Exactly. And that's what we talked about a lot here. As too much random stuff. Person says, solid episode of Dynamite. I would give it an 8 out of 10. Person says, can't wait for CM Punk on Collision. And this person also said, Punk versus Kenta at Forbidden Door. Yeah, that'd be a good one. The go to sleep versus the go to sleep. So I know, didn't Kenta say he wanted CM Punk yeah. for a while? He said it before. That'd be fun, but I feel like they probably want to do Kenta versus Tanahashi because they were supposed to do that last year. Mm-hmm. And finally, the YouTube live poll. 70% liked the show. 17% thought it was just all right. And 12% did not like it. With that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining us here. Luke, tell them where they can find you. You can find me over at Twitter at Petkey underscore 21. And you can also find me over at Twitch at Petkey. With that, guys, follow us on everything. Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and so forth. I'll be back live Friday morning for the wrestling wrap-up. Remember, if you want to ask a question for that show, you can do so by going to pwunlimited.co forward slash mailbag to get your questions in for the wrestling wrap-up. And then we'll be back live Friday evening for SmackDown. Well, yeah, we'll see you guys in a couple of days. Have a good one, guys.